Well, the first thing that happens is the mother's body will warm or cool the baby to keep the baby in thermal stability. And we know that happens even down to very small preemies. And if there's twins, one on each breast, the breasts change temperature to keep the baby in thermal stability, which is magic. Hello, I'm Carolyn, and this is What Doulas Know. I'm a doula, the mother of two, and for over 40 years, a registered nurse. My goal is to educate, support, and empower before, during, and after pregnancy with a special emphasis on labor and childbirth. All information presented in this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical diagnosis or treatment. The persons presenting the episodes are not licensed doctors. You should consult a qualified medical professional before making any decisions regarding your health, including any decisions based on information presented here. Hello, it's Carolyn. Our good friend Linda Smith is here today to talk about breastfeeding. Uh, she owns the Bright Future Lactation Resource Center on the Internet. It's www.bflrc.org, and there will be a link to that on the whatdoulasknow.com website. So, Linda, uh, we've gone through labor. Our baby is born. What's the first thing that needs to be done? Skin to skin, skin to skin, skin to skin, and leave the baby there. From the research we know, actually, they should be sternum to sternum. Okay. Because there are particular cells in the mother and baby that have an immune communication that are right in the sternum. But for post-birth, put the baby on mom's belly or as close to it if it's a cesarean. The baby will go through nine stages. They'll, and I may have these, this is all documented in the research. They'll be looking around. They will eventually feel for the mother's breast. They'll look at the mother. They'll rest, and they'll eventually start crawling and make their way to the breast, and more often one than the other, I forget which one, and latch on beautifully and comfortably. Usually in as as few as seven or eight minutes if the mother was not medicated, and as long as more than an hour to an hour and 15 minutes if the mother had a lot of medication or a lot of the baby had a hard time getting out. But they all get there. And after about an, about an hour and a half, the baby and the mother fall into a restful sleep for about another hour, hour and a half. If they don't get there in the first hour-ish, leave them there so that after the next hour when they wake up, they'll finish the crawl. What we know is that mm-hmm. taking the baby away to do anything to them, short of life-saving procedures, the baby has to start over. The baby starts over. And the the nine stages are sequential. Okay. And those will be on the website. The literature and the research that that Linda's talking about will be on the website. So what are some of the reasons um, in your book you talk about how it supports all aspects of breastfeeding, the bonding attachment, the milk production, and the normal infant suck? So can you go maybe elaborate on those a little bit? Well, the first thing that happens is the mother's body will warm the baby. So you want to dry the baby and put a warm blanket over their back. But the mother's body will warm or cool the baby to keep the baby in thermal stability. And we know that happens even down to very small preemies. And if there's twins, one on each breast, the breasts change temperature to keep the baby in thermal stability, which is magic. 
So it keeps the baby warm. You get immediate colonization of the baby with the mother's normal gut bacteria because the poop canal is right near the birth canal. And even if the baby comes out by a cesarean, the mother's skin still has her normal microbiome. So we want the baby colonized with mom or not the hospital stuff. If for some reason the mom is so compromised that they can't put the baby on the mom, the next best person is somebody who lives with the mom, usually the dad, sometimes the grandmother. But a human being is better than a hospital piece of equipment. And that helps with the hormone release as well? With everything. It helps the mother release oxytocin, which contracts the uterus, delivers the placenta, brings the milk that is in her breast. The colostrum is very thick, almost honey-like. It brings it down to the front of the breast. So when the baby does latch on, first of all, it's the rich sensory experience. It's not so much about food. The baby gets a whole mouthful of mom. Their eyes are looking at mom. Their hands are feeling mom. It's this whole sensory thing, the smell of uh, the breast smell, kind of like amniotic fluid. And if we let the baby crawl, their hands are not dried. They're they're kind of using an amniotic fluid trail to get up to the breast. Just leave them there. Keep them warm. At the same time, somebody needs to be paying attention because some babies, particularly in the first two hours, can bury themselves down in mom's breast and kind of check out, and we don't want that to happen. So having mom or the attendant making sure that the baby has an open airway and is still doing all right as they crawl to the breast and stay there. So it also helps with the neurodevelopment. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, in the neurodevelopment, you talked about programming, uh, the releasing and unlocking of um, the infant and maternal behaviors. So what kind of behaviors is this helping? We talked a little bit about bonding, but can you go a little bit further into that? Yeah, let me talk about um, the baby's mouth for a minute. If you've ever learned how to play a musical instrument or learned how to new sports skill, the teacher will always go for accuracy of movement first before speed and strength. The baby's normal bonding, touch, connection with mom emotionally and and for food is the breast. So you don't want to put anything in the baby's mouth before or instead of the mother's breast so the baby patterns on that. So if you're learning to play the violin, you hold it in a certain way, you want to learn the pattern first. Or if you're swinging a tennis racket, you want to learn the pattern first. We want the baby to pattern on the mother's breast first. So the um, actual American Academy of Pediatrics policy is to delay weighing, measuring, bathing, needle sticks, eye prophylactics until after the first feeding is completed. Right. So is that... In the hospital setting, is that still okay? Can you say, stop, just leave us alone? Because I, Ideally, the hospital will have implemented the Baby-Friendly Hospital Initiative, and step four covers that. You put the baby on the mother, either by cesarean or by vaginal birth, and let them crawl up and latch on while somebody's watching for safety. Mm-hmm. If the baby hasn't latched on in that first hour and the mother has to be moved somewhere else, One of two things can happen. Either you leave the baby there and transfer the baby on the mom, which is the best, or if that would not be safe, give the baby to dad, have the baby held by dad skin to skin under the clothing, kept upright, till the mother gets to a safer place and then give the baby back to the mother so the baby can can finish those nine steps. Okay. I was going to ask you, so a father can have skin to skin. Is it 
it's still best to have the mother Right. If possible, do the skin to skin for the first hour and a half or until after the first feeding. Right. And then if the father wants to get in bed with them or is in bed with them, and then you can give the baby to the father for skin to skin as well. Yes. And there's actually research that the baby skin to skin with the dad in the first few hours left a vague on, uh, in particular um, helps rewire the dad's brain. So that's really important because then the baby picks up the dad's microbiome. The dad feels the baby asleep or awake. So we know the baby's going to be awake for about an hour and a half-ish after the birth and then sleeps for about an hour and a half-ish. No reason they can't sleep on dad. Right. And dad doesn't have to be lying down. Dad could be sitting up as long as there's some safety so that if he falls asleep, his arms aren't going to drop the baby. So wrap the baby on the dad in some way so that we have to have safety. Okay. So what is the ABC protocol? That's something I came up with years ago when I was on the phone with the mother for 40 minutes before I asked how often the baby was actually at the breast. So A stands for access, or the mother is the restaurant. Um, Well, H League had a cookbook, Mother's in the Kitchen. Mother is the kitchen. So the baby has to be at breast a certain number of minutes today, a day, and that's quantity. The research is a minimum of 140 minutes, which is about 11 minutes an hour, 20 to 25 minutes every two hours, which is the bare minimum. Babies do more than that. But below that is not enough. So you want more. So they have to be in the restaurant first. Anything that keeps the baby away from mom's body is a barrier. Obviously, if the mom is unconscious, we can still put the baby there. First, Somebody has to be watching the baby. If the baby's life is in jeopardy, we have to resuscitate the baby. B stands for breast milk transfer or basic lactation support. So once the baby has been skin to skin, then we start looking at the baby actually getting food out of the breast. Usually the baby can do that just fine and it doesn't hurt and we're done. And that's 80, 90% of the time. Sometimes that doesn't work so well. So then we hand express mom's milk, give it to the baby in a cup, least intervention for the shortest time to get breastfeeding going. And we get mom's milk into the baby indirectly using something to get milk out of the breast, something to get milk into the baby. Usually we don't have to do that for more than a day, two days maybe at the most. If that doesn't work, then we have to figure out why this baby can't get milk out of a perfectly normal breast, which takes more complex skills. So we did A and then B. So A is access, the mother's in the rest, baby's in the restaurant. B, the baby's actually eating, not stirring the peas around the plate. C is the cook is comfortable. Mom's got to be comfortable because if she's got nipple or breast pain, she's going to quit real quick for obvious reasons. So if it hurts, we go back to positioning and latch, maybe cup feeding, and we try to resolve that, which we usually can. If it continues to hurt or she continues to have breast pain, she sees somebody like me who we can explore why she's continuing to have breast pain. Meanwhile, we get the milk out of her and into the baby as directly as possible or indirectly if it isn't possible. And then we finish with mother-to-mother support because she needs somebody who's on her team telling her she's doing a good job. Her partner, she's got one, peers, professionals, the whole cadre. What about the nipple shields? Nipple shields are one of the devices that might help get milk out of a mother and into a baby. 
They were researched for preemies. Um, if a nipple shield is used to get milk into the baby, then we also have to be expressing mom's milk to keep milk production up. Because if the baby, normally the baby would get milk out of the breast and be triggering the breast to make more milk. If we have to separate the milk, the baby from the breast, we need something to keep the milk production up and something to get that milk into the baby. So devices and techniques come in pairs, not just one. The nipple shield is something that could be considered. There's pros and cons. There's a lot of other devices that could be considered. But if you need something to get in milk into the baby, you need something supporting mother's milk production. Hand expressing is the easiest. It is a supply and demand scenario. It, right. The more the baby needs, the more you produce. Let me qualify that. Okay. A baby with a normal suck, the more the baby needs, the more the mother's milk will produce. The more milk is removed from the breast, the more she will produce. Ideally, the baby is the way the milk is removed from the breast. Okay. So if the baby can't do it, something else should be doing it. So nature really is a miracle, isn't it? As a lactation professional, I have to learn all these devices and techniques and teach them to people like you and the other doulas, but most of the time we're not needed. Mothers don't like all that plastic junk, and there's some research that shows feeding pumped milk through a bottle or a cup, mothers quit sooner than they would have if they had simply breastfed. And I know it's not going to be true for everybody. We'll help everybody. But nobody likes all that gadgetry. So I think I won't say nobody. Few people like all that gadgetry for long. Yeah. So it seems to me, Linda, that um, this journey is all about finding support and a sense of community. That's one of the reasons we have this podcast and one of the reasons we ask people like you to come on it. And um, we will continue to do this. And we're going to put the resources uh, for finding a doula or a midwife or lactation specialist more on the whatdoulasknow.com so that we can keep educating and empowering and try to make this mother-baby, father-baby family unit uh, stronger. So thank you, Linda. Oh, you're really welcome. I've enjoyed this. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Doulas Know. You can learn more about the show and my guests at whatdoulasknow.com. Please rate and review this show. It helps get more exposure and reach additional people. Peace to all. Thanks.